Uh, I didn't say before, my name is Alana. If you don't know me, I am one of the pastors here at New Life Church, um, and I would love to get to know you. Um, welcome, if you are new. I have a really, it looks like a big list. I promise it's not as scary. <laughs> it's a really big list. Uh, but I've just got a few things that I want to share with you this morning. Um, the first being that, um, just a couple little quick changes. If your house church is meeting, uh, Scott sent out house church questions last night. However, uh, he is still quite sick. He thought he was getting better, um, but he's sick. And so the questions that he sent you do not match the sermon today. That's okay. I just wanted to let you know, though, in case you're a little confused, um, when you get those questions, there's still going to be great questions and things to talk about. Um, but thankfully, Andy Thomas is pinch hitting uh, for us on the sermon this morning. So that's going to be good. Um, a couple other housekeeping things. The alarm's beeping. I know. I do know. Um, and it's good. We're working on it. Don't worry. Everything's safe in the building. It's just a low battery somewhere, and we can't figure out where. Um, <laughs> good. On to the three-ish things, though. Uh, just a reminder, as we head into the Christmas season here, the office will be closed uh, starting Friday, December 23rd, all the way until we are back in on January 3rd. Of course, we are here for Christmas Eve services. The building will be open then, but just wanted to remind you that the office is closed. Staff are um, getting rest, but they are not off-off, so we're still going to be picking up phone messages, checking our emails, and responding as needed, so feel free to reach out if you need anything. We are here for you. Um, we just won't be here in the office physically. Um, and of course, with that said, as you know, we're coming up to the end of the year. This is the end of the tax year as well. And so if you have any giving that you want to get in uh, to go into this year's tax receipt, that does need to be received by us by December 31st. If you're giving online, just make sure it gets transferred before uh, midnight on December 31st. If you um, prefer doing that physically with check or cash, of course the office is closed, uh, you can bring it on Christmas Eve, of course, drop it in the drop box. But if something comes up and you think, oh my goodness, I didn't do that, shoot me a quick email, alana at newlifechurch.ca, and I will make sure that we get it in uh, before the end of the year so that that can be um, accounted properly. And just so you know where we are at um, financially as we come to the end of the calendar year, it's not the end of our fiscal year, we're four months into our fiscal year, uh, and we are at about 92% of budgeted giving uh, and about 78% of budgeted expenses. So we're still ahead of expenses, um, not quite reaching what we budgeted for in terms of giving, but, but we are close. So we just want to say thank you again um, to those of you that are so generous and support the ministry here we would not be the church we are without that support. So thank you so much. Um, good. Moving right along, my last thing. Staffing update. We have another staff update. Um, so I want to, as you know, Jesse, we announced a few months ago that Jesse was resigning from KidZone in the house. And so we have some news. I'm going to start by inviting Jesse actually to come up and then we'll uh, carry on. So Jesse, this is actually her last Sunday in KidZone. It is your last Sunday. You can grab that one, yeah. Um, and so we want to say thank you for everything you did. It's been three or four years. Four and a half. Four and a half years that Jesse has been ministering to our kids. She has loved them, um, and not just the kids, the parents too. I know many of you have had the opportunity to connect with Jesse one-on-one as she has um, ministered to you um, in your parenting journey and spiritually developing your children. So we want to say thank you so much, but we are not saying goodbye. 
uh, Jesse is staying on staff uh, at about 10 hours a week, uh, moving into Director of Community Outreach. So that is our in, for, and with program, but we're um, calling her Director of Community Outreach uh, so that people from the outside looking in know who to talk to about community stuff. And so she's going to be maintaining our current contacts in the community, developing new ones, uh, helping us as a church engage in our community in that in, for, and with initiative that we have, um, uh, finding opportunities for us to engage. And so she's going to stay working on that. And we're really excited about that. Um, so thank you for all that. Thank you. And your... Um, the person inheriting your shoes, we'll call it that. Thank you. Brittany, come on up. Uh, is Brittany Horn. Several of you will know her. <laughs> yes. So, of course, many of you know Brittany. She has um, grown up in and out of new life. And um, your dad was actually on staff many, many years ago. And yeah. so we are very excited to welcome you to the team. Brittany is our new director of Kids Zone in the House. And so she will be um, taking over from Jesse. She will be uh, casting vision for this ministry, helping walk alongside you as parents, as we as a church partner with you in the spiritual development of your children. And so I just want to ask you, Brittany, this is your first day. Welcome. How's it going so far? Going well. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> um, just what are, what are you excited about? What are you looking forward to in this new role here with the church? Yeah, I'm really excited to get to know the kids better and work alongside the families um, just like with their early on uh, walk with faith and just get to work alongside those families with that. It's great. Well, we are very excited to have you. Um, Brittany has a lot of experience working with kids um, and so we know she's going to be a huge asset to the team here, and we look forward to getting to know you. If you are a parent of kids here in Kids Zone, grab her, say hello, introduce yourself, but you'll be seeing her a lot on Sundays, and you'll have that chance to get to know her. Um, good. So I'm going to hand it over to you guys so you can dismiss the kids, and we'll carry on. Good morning. We'll do a little change around here. There we go. I can hide behind this and feel much safer. There we go. Well, that is kind of me this morning. I'm the little dog. You're the big dog, just in case you were, uh, were wondering. And anytime when I get opportunity to speak, I, I do feel like that. I feel intimidated by you or by whoever's out there, whether it be just five people or, or 50 or 500 or whatever. Um, so I do feel that way, but especially this morning, not just because of kind of the pinch batting, so to speak, um, but, but also because it's, it's a passage that I would imagine is very familiar to many of us. Um, probably like, you know, it's, it's like the Old Testament, John 3.16. I imagine many of you could recite, if, if we did that for the kids leaving, you'd probably get, many of you would get most of Psalm 23. So a very familiar passage to you. Um, and I'm going to dissect it a little bit this morning, and, uh, and it may, I, I hope it doesn't ruin it for you. Sometimes knowing something really well, you can be over-familiar, and, and perhaps uh, don't take the time to really understand what it says. It becomes almost like repetitional reciting. So I, I really, my, my prayer this morning is that, uh, that this would be exciting to you, and perhaps we'll see Psalm 23 in, in a different way. So let's, let's read the psalm. 
there we go. And I'm going to read it in, in the old NIV, because that's how I memorized it. I put a different version up there. I think it's the NAS, NASB. Um, and a bit like John 1.14, we all kind of had different versions in our head when we recited that. So you can, you can pretend and recite your own. So let's read this together. Psalm 23, it's a psalm of, of David, of King David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for this psalm that perhaps for many of us is familiar. I pray, Father, that uh, you would shepherd my mind, that you would shepherd my, my voice, my heart as I share, and Father, would, as we listen, as I listen to what you want to say through me, I pray that we would allow you as the shepherd to, to speak to us. In your name, amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's take a look, little look at this. Um, you know that I love it when I get a really good outline. You remember that from last time? All C's right there. So we'll look at the context, uh, the condition, the consequence, and the conclusion. I love it. So let's, let's, let's do the context first. And uh, those of you who know your Bible well will, will know that there's a lot of biblical imagery. So much, isn't there, about shepherds, the shepherd, other shepherds, flocks, pastures, predators, all of that kind of thing, kind of, kind of really right, right through the Bible. But, and, and particularly David. So King David, who, who wrote this, we don't have a timeline of when he wrote it. The, the Psalms aren't put together by, David's Psalms aren't put necessarily in order of as he wrote them. But I would suggest, you know, when we think of the content of Psalm 23, that this was later in his life, perhaps almost his dying memoirs of the Lord, his shepherd. And, and he would, that, that the imagery would go right back to him as a child. If you remember, if you read 1 Samuel, he was kind of the forgotten son of Jesse. He was, he was the last one. Oh yeah, and there's Jesse kind of thing. And he was in the field looking after the flocks um, and, and learned how to use that sling to kill off the wild animals. I can't imagine killing a bear. When I go up Maple Mountain, I don't take a sling with me to keep the bear away. But, but he, he was able to use that sling to protect, protect his sheep. So, so that would still be a reminder to, to David of, of his early days. Um, also, we, we have in, in the Bible a lot of mess, uh, messianic prophecy. So if you're not familiar with that, with that wording, there's a lot of the Old Testament scriptures that were written a long time, hundreds, thousands of years before Jesus became flesh, as we read in John 1, and that would, would predict, would foretell the, the coming of Jesus. And uh, we have that in so many places. Uh, very clearly, um, Exodus 12, where the Israelites were, were freed from death and freed from Egypt through the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. Probably one of the clearest Old Testament pictures of what Jesus, is, Jesus accomplishes for us on the cross. We're freed from death, we're freed from sin, we're given new life. And, and it's such a clear Old Testament prophecy, the blood of the lamb. 
And, and um, Paul spoke of it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He, he said, he, he referred to Jesus as our Passover lamb, the lamb who laid down his life for us. And, uh, and John, the, uh, the Baptist in, in John chapter 1, when he saw Jesus, he, he pointed and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So he declared kind of that, that tying in of, 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 of Exodus chapter 12 to, to Jesus' death and resurrection. So we have a lot of Old Testament messianic prophecy. Isaiah 53 as well, if you, if you know that prophecy, 700 years before Christ, um, the, the, the prophet says that, that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. So what a picture of, of Christ, our Passover lamb. And then we have the words of Jesus in, in John 10. One of the reasons why I, I, I decided to speak on uh, Psalm, Psalm 23 was because yesterday I was listening to a podcast by Stuart Briscoe on I Am the Good Shepherd. And it, and it kind of, the, the Psalm 23 was running around in my mind at the same time. So when Scott texted me and I said, maybe, I kind of lent this way. Um, so, so that's kind of why. And, and when I think about Christmas, because this doesn't necessarily tie into Christmas, but it does tie into the theme of love. You know, the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. There's no shepherd in the world that would do that. Uh, I grew up in the UK around shepherds. I went to church with shepherds. Not one of them would lay, purposely lay down their life for their, their sheep. But we have, a, we have an incredible shepherd. And no greater love has, has anyone than to lay down his life for his friends. So we have kind of that connection um, uh, with, with Christmas. So, so Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He also tells uh, Peter, he says, shepherd my flock. So we have lots of words of Jesus relating to himself as the shepherd and us as, as the flock. And then I like this too in Matthew 9 where Jesus expresses, it, expresses his heart. And the English language doesn't do it justice, but when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. So we know what compassion is, but this is really gut-wrenching, heartfelt compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So we have the words of Jesus. We also have the location of the psalm. And, and amazingly, Psalm 23 comes between 22 and 24. Mind-blowing, isn't it? It's, it's fantastic. So, you know, if you, if you don't learn anything this morning, then you know that 23 comes between those two. But, but actually, you may not have, you may not have noticed, but, uh, but the, the three Psalms are, are kind of neatly linked. I, I really love it. They, they really refer to the three New Testament shepherds. Jesus is referred to, as we just said in, in John 10, as the good shepherd, He's the good one, and that goes back to Ezekiel 34. He is, there's none unlike him. He's, he's the good shepherd. And, and Psalm 22 links to that so well. Let me just read a few of those verses that you'll, and this is a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. So Psalm 23, verse one, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So you need to read Psalm 22 as if you were Jesus on the cross. Those obviously were the words of, of Jesus on the cross, but even more so, listen to this. Why are you so far from me, from saving me? So far, so far from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry out by day. And then further down, I am like a worm and not a man, scorned by men, despised by people. And then again, further down, my strength is dried up like pots heard. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. And, and it goes on, dividing my garments. It's, it's such a clear messianic picture of the good shepherd who lays down his life for the, 
for his friends. And then 25 is kind of, so if we think of, of the good shepherd, what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, then we look ahead in, in chapter 25 to, to the coming king, to the coming shepherd, the, the, um, the, the chief shepherd in First Peter. And in, in, 20, in, in chapter 24, it says in verse seven, lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. In other words, take the doors off the hinges. You know, welcome the king, he's coming. So we have good shepherd, we have chief shepherd who will come. So the good shepherd who came gave his life the, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd who will come. And then Psalm 23 is about the equipping shepherd. He, he, he instructs us and teaches us the, the great shepherd in Hebrews chapter 13. So the Lord is my shepherd. So it's kind of beautifully situated between the two. And I would suggest if you are like me, I, I find easy, it's easier to accept the, the good shepherd. You know, I, I accept what Jesus did for me. He, that he died for my sins. He gave his life for mine. That, that, that's easier, isn't it? And I look forward to, to, the, to the chief shepherd when he comes. You know, I, I, I trust I'll be ready. My arms will be open wide. The hinges will be off. The, the door will be off the hinges. The gates will be lifted up and, and welcoming him. The harder part is today, right now, is, is the, the great shepherd, the one who wants to instruct me, the one who has his staff and wants to prod me. So I don't know if that's you, but, but that is certainly me. So we have the location of the psalm, but it's imperfect imagery. And, and as I said, you know, the, there's not many shepherds. There's no shepherd that would really give their life for the sheep other than Jesus. He, he is the only one. So it's imperfect when we think of, of what a shepherd is. I, I work with a guy who has sheep, a kind of part-time farmer, but he's also a butcher, and he keeps the sheep to butcher them, which you know, is imperfect imagery when we think of this. <laughs> Especially if you're a vegetarian, you, you, you probably uh, aren't so keen on that. So let's look at the, that's the context. Let's look at the condition. And, and the very first verse really gives us the condition. The Lord is my shepherd. And I would suggest to you that, that it's not worth listening to the rest of the psalm unless the Lord is your shepherd. Unless you can say, he is mine. The Lord is my shepherd. A few, I guess a couple of years before coming to Canada, I got an invitation to, to speak to these guys um, and think of intimidation. That's big time intimidation. Um, this, this is uh, Southern Kenya in the Magadi Desert. And it's a sort of a graduation ceremony for some young Maasai's. And I'm preparing for, for speaking to them in this, their graduation ceremony. I thought, what can I I'm a soft Englishman who, who only knows comfort and, and never, I've never had to hunt other than for fun. You know, that they, it's, it's, I thought, I'm, I'm so irrelevant. What can I say to them? And I thought, well, they're warriors. And, and there's something about the Maasai that is very intimidating. Um, and, I, and I thought, who is a warrior in the Bible? And the Lord, I think, uh, brought me to, to David. What, what a warrior David was. You know, he... he killed lions just like the Maasai killed bears and whatever else. And then he was an incredible warrior as far as the, the nation of Israel. If you read First Samuel, you know, he, it's, you read about his battles. You know, David did this, David did that. He conquered this, he conquered that. So I, I, I spoke on the secret of, of David's success. What was the secret of the warrior David? And it was that, and it is for us today, is that the Lord is his shepherd. And who's the Lord? It's the, the Hebrew word is Yahweh. And Psalm 24 gives us a pretty clear indication of who this is. The earth is the Lord's, so the earth is Yahweh's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas, and he established it upon the waters. 
So it's kind of beautiful, isn't it, that, that David is able to say, Yahweh, the creator of everything, is my shepherd. So I wonder if you can say that this morning. I wonder if that, if that is uh, your heart and your mind this morning, that you know the shepherd, that you can say he is, he is mine. So conditional, if you like, it's conditional. Psalm 23 is conditional on knowing the Lord, the Lord being your shepherd. But this is where maybe this will be a little bit new for you. It's also conditional because if you did an exact translation of this, there's no verb in there. There's no is linking those two nouns, linking the Lord and linking the shepherd. In fact, the, the, when, we, when we read the word shepherd, it should be shepherding. So in other words, Yahweh shepherding. And I think when you think of David's life, Psalm 23 is not consistent with his life. You know, he didn't always lay down in green pastures. He didn't always lay beside quiet waters. You know, he went through the valley of shadow of death and he feared. He acted as a madman. He did crazy things. He, he lived in sin. He murdered. He, he, uh, he was an adulterer. Certainly not consistent with his life. And I would suggest to you that, that Psalm 23 is, David is saying, in the end of his age, in the end of his life, he's saying, when the Lord shepherded me, when he, sh- when he was shepherding me, when I allowed him to be my shepherd. The fact is, he's our shepherd. We know that when we come to know him. But are we allowing him to shepherd us? So perhaps we could phrase it like this. The Lord is the one who is shepherding me. And, and I think that's the condition for the rest of the psalm. And we're going to look at this psalm um, uh, in, with the three eyes. And I don't know if you've ever noticed it. Maybe this makes it seem a bit easier. But there's, there's three I statements. The middle one is kind of linked together. The middle two are linked together. And then the last one. And the rest of it is, is really why the psalmist can make this statement. So how can I lack nothing? Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. I don't know if you've ever noticed that before. So we'll, we'll take a look at that. And the verbs that we find right through the psalm are imperfect. And I'm not very good at English, but I do know that an imperfect verb is an incomplete verb. It requires something else. So really, a lot of what we read in Psalm 23, with the exception of, of the end and one other place, is imperfect. It requires something else. So I would suggest to you that it requires the Lord shepherding us. And it's not that he chooses not to shepherd us. It's perhaps that we don't allow him to shepherd us. He is our shepherd, but we're ignoring him. So let's, uh, let's take the first of these, of these eyes. So I shall not want or, I sh- or, or lack anything. And it's easy to read that and think, well, does that mean that whatever I want, you know, I want, uh, you know, a, 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 an Apple watch for Christmas. I'm going to get it. No, that's not what it's about. It's more about sufficiency. And the, I, somebody, somebody gave a good illustration of this, a friend of mine, and, and I'm going to steal it from him. But Back in the days of telegrams, you know, when, they, when there was wires across the Atlantic Ocean, there was a wealthy businessman or maybe a Hollywood actor, I don't know what he was, but he was, had a lot of money, and he wanted another Rolls Royce, or he wanted a Rolls Royce. Everybody else had them, he wanted one. But as he placed the order, he, he sent the telegram, placed the order, and then he thought about it, he thought, well, what's the horsepower? Is it going to have enough engine to take me up the Sierra Nevadas and up the Rockies and where other places I need? Because because England's not got very high mountains, so maybe there's not enough horsepower. So he sent a telegram. I don't know how you do it. Is it beep, beep, beep? I don't know. So he sent that telegram and, and said, what's the horsepower? And he got one word back, adequate, adequate. And, and I think that's what David is saying here. When the Lord shepherds me, 
He is adequate. I'm not in need. And I think Paul was hinting at this in, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, you know, where he talks about his thorn in the flesh, which we don't know what it was. It could have been an illness, could have been some besetting sin. It could have been something that, was, that, that the Lord chose not to take away. He, he says he pleaded. Paul pleaded many times. But in the end, he recognizes, the Lord spoke to him. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He's adequate. He's sufficient even for, for those difficult times. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So let's have a look then at, at, at what the psalmist says here. How, how does David not lack anything? So verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And that, I, I know these verses are encouraging to many of us. You know, we, we often read these at funerals, at times when we need comfort. And, and isn't that wonderful picture of, of sheep laying down in green pastures? This, where we lived in the UK, we, we, had, we were basically surrounded by fields. So our, the driveway, we worked at a place called Cape and Ray, and the driveway came down. It was a kind of a gravel track. And all, everywhere around us was sheep. So we could smell them. We could hear them. You know, we, we knew quite a bit about sheep without really being sheepy people. I took this picture with, with, our, with the back to our house. So probably about, I don't know, 100 feet from the cattle grid. We had a cattle grid that, that was supposed to stop the sheep coming in the garden. It did most of the time. But I, I took that picture, there's our chickens. And look at that picture, isn't that great? You, you see lush grass and, and sheep in contentment. And, and I love that picture of, of, of the Lord leading us to places of nourishment. You know, we, we have his word. Uh, we, we, we have his presence within us. He leads us to places of nourishment. And the idea of lying down, you know, we, we'd watch the sheep, you know, they, they'd graze for a while, then they'd lie down. I guess they have multiple stomachs and stuff. So they let that digest, and, and, and there's plenty of food. You know, they're not scavenging around because there's plenty there. And that's where the Lord wants to lead us, to, to places of nourishment. The same day, probably a few minutes, there's, there's a field beside this. You can see the little uh, driveway coming down. The field beside it is right there. And the, the fields were open. The sheep had access to the, the field that was being plowed to kind of eat around the edges and under the trees. And everybody, whoops, let's go back. Everybody, everybody, they're not bodies, are they? They're sheep. So all the sheep were in here, except for, except for this character. And, and he chose to stay there. You know, what a place to stay. He wasn't even in the shade. This was a hot day. He wasn't even in the shade under the tree where the grass was. He was, he was there in the dirt. And, and I, asked, I actually asked why, and it turns out he wasn't well, which kind of makes sense. But I wonder if sometimes we're not well. <laughs> we're not well spiritually because we're not following the shepherd. You know, we... we we have access to this, but perhaps sometimes we, we choose this. So he leads me to green pastures, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And I love this picture. What, what a great picture of, of refreshment and comfort and calm and peace. And we sang Away in a Manger, didn't we? Which is kind of a lovely Christmas song, not particularly biblical necessarily, but, but it's, it's peace. You know, the, the cattle are lowing. I don't know what that is, but it sounds really nice. They're, they're lowing. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's kind of a beautiful scene. But I can't think of Christmas, I can't think of the crib without thinking of the cross. You know, I can't think of the crib. It's wonderful that we remember Christmas. I think Christmas is a great tool to, to share Christ with others. But, but Jesus tells us to remember his blood and his body. You know, do this in remembrance of me. I'm not saying we shouldn't, sorry, this is not a, a beating Christmas uh, moment, but, but just the, the, the fact that, yes, we do have times of, of quiet like this, like, like the manger scene, but, but sometimes, 
uh, we have scenes like this where, where the waters aren't so calm. And I don't know if you've experienced that in your life. I'm sure you have. Maybe even this last week where, where the waters are turbulent. You know, it's all rushing around you. I mean, uh, Gordon would be better at explaining this to, to, to you, but this little guy here, this little chap's in an eddy. So the waters are, it's whitewater kayaking. He's probably gone down, you know, a few waterfalls and some rapids, and he's taking a rest amidst the, the roughness. He's in an eddy. He's sat behind a rock. The water's calm there. It's actually just nicely, he's able to sit and turn and have a little break. And I wonder if you've experienced that in your walk with the Lord. I remember uh, quite a few years ago, our, our eldest son was really unwell. It turned out he had a, a blood disorder that we didn't know about that, that he'll have for all his life. But I, carry, I remember carrying him into the ER. You know, he, he was a young teenager and, and he couldn't walk. We, we'd gone through a process with different doctors and we didn't know what the problem was, but he got worse and worse. And I remember carrying him in and his blood count was like below four. It was really, really low. And, and the, I could see sweat on the doctors and I could see sort of white knuckles as they're trying to get uh, units of saline into him just to, 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 to keep him alive. And it was incredibly, it was like this. It was like, it was like waterfalls and rapids and turbulence and, and whirlpools and all of this, but being able to find that place of calm. And I, th- I think that's what the psalmist is saying. When you think of David's journey, there was a lot of the rough. There was a lot of rapids. There was a lot of turbulence. Um, and I think he says, when I allowed the Lord to shepherd me, he brought me into the eddies. He brought me into the quiet places. He restores my soul. And I think David knew about this. You know, you think of David's sin with Bathsheba. If you read Psalm 32 and 51, you just get a sense of, of his despair. You know, his, he, says, he says, my bones are dry. It's like being in a desert. And, 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 and he says, restore to me the joy of, of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit. And I think he'd lost his joy and, and he knew what it meant for the Lord to restore him. And I wonder if, if we're journeying, maybe even, even today we've come and we recognize that, that we need restoring. And it's not about being born again, again. It's not about coming to Christ again, but it's about allowing the shepherd to restore us, allowing him maybe to bring us into that place of quiet, maybe to bring us into a place of, of nourishment. So he is adequate. He's adequate to to lead me to pastures, to lead me by quiet waters and to restore me. And, and he guides me. Um, he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And that's the heart of the Lord, isn't it? That's the heart of the shepherd. The, a, a good shepherd does not wanna, he wouldn't be leading his sheep into that plowed field where there's no food. You know, the, the shepherd wants to lead his flock into good pasture. And that's, that's the heart of the Lord. He, he wants to guide us into those places, and he does it for his namesake. You know, we, we, yes, he does it because he loves us, but actually, he kind of has no choice because we bear his name. We, we have his name written on us. Every human on the planet has his name on them. We, as believers, those who have been uh, brought into his family, even more so, we have his name. So he's gonna lead us into those right places. Uh, I don't know, uh, I know, Pictures of fathers is not always great because some of us aren't always brilliant, but it's, it's not normal for a father not to want the best for their children, and, and he wants to do that for his namesake. So that was the first I section. Now we're in the middle, so I will not fear, and it links to um, the verse before. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And let's have a look at the, at the reasons why. So firstly, for you are with me. And I've never been through the valley of the shadow of death in the sense of, of real death. 
I have walked with my dad through that valley. And I remember being with him um, when he passed away. He's the only person I've been with as they died. And, and that sense of, of he's there and he's gone instantly. It's, it's a strange, it's a very strange thing. But in the days leading up, in, in and out of coherency, um, there was a, just a sense of, of him with the Lord. He spoke of Jesus, and there was one day particularly, I think he thought he was already there. You know, he was speaking of that. And amidst the darkness of, of loss for us, of losing my dad, there was a, just a, a sense of, well, he's with the Lord. You know, he was with the Lord leading into his death, and he continues to be with him. And I think there's no greater comfort for us uh, as we're, maybe as we journey that road ourselves, which we all will one day, 10 out of 10 people die. That's a fact. There we go. Um, but also as we journey with others, um, that, that there is hope. There's incredible hope that he is with us. And I, and I love the idea that, that he is with us. You know, not just, we, we, it's easy for us and it's an, an easy maybe road to slip down where we pray, God be with us. Actually, we can be assured of his presence. Um, if you remember uh, in John, probably the clearest writing of the Holy Spirit is written by John at the end of the, end of the Gospel of John. And, he, and Jesus talks about, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So another helper. So like Jesus, but another one. So this is the wonderful beauty of the Trinity. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and be, will be in you. So we have a, an, an amazing father who sends the Holy Spirit to live within us. We have the presence of God within us. We don't have to ask for God to be with us, perhaps in our activity, but he is with us. That There's no doubt of that. He is with us. He lives in us and he will be with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't know if you've ever seen a, a shepherd with, his, with a shepherd crook, and it's pretty effective. You know, when, the, when you're corralling sheep, they can use the hook to pull them, sometimes to, to prod and to poke and to guide. And there's amazing comfort in that. I, th- I, think, uh, I think if you think of, of, of ill discipline, think at school, if there's no discipline at all, and perhaps sometimes school seems to head that way, then there's, there's, in a sense, there's no comfort. It's, it's a free-for-all. But when we bring discipline in whatever sphere of life. Imagine, imagine no police in Duncan for the next few weeks. I think it would get pretty crazy. The highways, there'd be accidents and all sorts. There's comfort in being directed. There's comfort in authority. And we have that uh, with the Lord Jesus. And then also, you prepare a table before me. And, and there's, there's so many great pictures. There's, there's a psalm further on in, in, uh, in Psalm 78 where the psalmist kind of recounts the journey of Israel. And he says... Um, he says, they spoke against God, saying, can God spread a table in the desert? And then a little bit further down, it says, he rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels, and he sent them all the food that they could eat. So we have this kind of, kind of weird picture of, of he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And Joshua found the same thing when he brought the children of Israel across the Jordan River into Canaan, and they were kind of Jericho's there, a mighty fortified city is, is, is there. And then he circumcised all the fighting men. You know, everybody's disabled for a number of days, probably quite a few days. Uh, but the timing is fantastic because he, the fear has gone into the people of Jericho. They're all behind the walls. The gates are closed. The fields were just harvest time. So they, they literally harvest the crops and, and enjoy Passover together in their, 
disabled state and then eventually defeat Jericho. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And I think that comes in so many different, different forms and shapes and, and certainly did for Israel. And we better move on a little bit quicker. Uh, you have anointed me with oil. And it's a, an expression that we probably don't really know much about. Um, you, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And really the two go together. It's easy to separate it. And we talk about my cup overfloweth, you know, the Lord's blessings, which is so true, but really the two link together. And, and for sheep in the old days, they would, have, they would have anointed the heads of the sheep to help with the, with the you know, the insects and things that get into the, into the wool and the fleece, fleece is the word I was looking for, um, and, and perhaps skin diseases. So, so it was used as a, as a means of protection, um, but, but David would be very familiar with it as a, as a young boy being the, the one of eight who everybody discounted and finally, oh, there's one more, David, he gets anointed. It would be that, that picture of anointed for position, anointed for purpose and authority. And, uh, and that is us. <laughs> you know, when we come to Christ, we, we, we are anointed. I, I like Ephesians uh, chapter one. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. So that's key, isn't it? We were, we were included when we heard. What does that mean for us? We need to tell, right? We need to tell. The good news of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So we've been anointed by the Holy Spirit. When we come to know the Lord Jesus, we're anointed. His presence is with us. We don't need to doubt that. And we're given incredible position. It's it's, um, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And I like it. It's not just, you know, hoping that we have an inheritance, but it's a guarantee. It's a for sure thing. And I remember I mentioned about the imperfect and perfect verbs. This is a perfect verb. All the others, except for the very last one that we'll look at in a minute, are imperfect. This is a complete action. So I would suggest to you that we can know the Lord Jesus. We can know the shepherd. He's my shepherd. But we're not allowing him to shepherd us. But in his faithfulness, we're still anointed. I know perhaps that's a theological discussion for some time. But we can know Jesus without allowing him to be Lord of our life. And I think in reality, if you study your own life, if you think for a moment, you realize, yes, that's true. Maybe not all the time, but, but at times we, we put our own interests ahead of his. So uh, being anointed, protection, purpose, position, and then the, the idea of our, our cup overflowing. So cup in the Bible often has to do with our, our, our destiny or the, our lot in life. And once we know Jesus, we, we have a lot in life. We have purpose to life. Uh, I, I think, sadly, many who we perhaps rode shoulders with, th- there's not a lot of purpose, you know, working for the weekend, all that kind of thing. But we have purpose. We have incredible purpose. We have an eternal purpose, a guarantee of something eternal. And then lastly in this section, and then we will finish in a moment, uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And, and follow is a poor word. It really should be hunt or hound. It's, it's much greater than just follow. You know, that seems almost weak and passive. So the, it, and it really should be your love. So speaking of the shepherd, he will pursue, he will hound, he will hunt us all the days of our life. That's why we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear because he is with us. We don't need to fear because he's anointed us. We don't need to fear because he will spread a table even in the presence of our enemies. We don't need to fear because the good shepherd is going to hunt. He's going to hound. He's going to pursue us 
all the days of our life. And I think somebody read this at the beginning, but I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8. Are you convinced of that? He's a hounder. He's a pursuer. He's on our side. And then here's our last one. So the headings of the other three were imperfect. And our last I sentence here is, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Perfect tense. Perhaps theologically, we could say we can be, we can know the shepherd without him shepherding us and we will be in his house forever. And that's an incredible statement, isn't it? That, he, that we will be in his house forever. We have a fantastic future. You know, don't forget that. Maybe, maybe the days ahead, maybe Christmas doesn't look great for you. Maybe the year ahead, there's, there's concerns. Maybe this coming week, I've got a bit of a crazy week. But actually, we have a, a fantastic future that goes way beyond that. We'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And uh, we, it's a wonderful certainty. You know, it's not just a hope. It's a bit like the guarantee of, of the anointing that we have of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a certainty. And I was once speaking and a lady came up to me after because we were talking of, of uh, Colossians 1 where uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We were speaking on that verse and she, she's a signer. She, she does sign language. And she says, sign language hope is, is just this, you know. But when we talk about Christian hope, it's this. And I love the idea that we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's not, you know, maybe we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We have a wonderful certainty and really it's our only right. So, so in 1 John, um, it's actually not 1 John, it should be John 1, so I need to correct that. But in John 1, um, uh, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to those who received him, he gave the right to be, become children of God. That's the couple of verses really before the one we just recited before. That's the only right we have really, is that we are, we are sons of God. Therefore, we have a place in his house, an eternal place in his house. We have an incredible future. So that was the context, the condition, the consequence. Here we go. You've been waiting for this bit because you want to go and have your lunch, is the, the conclusion. So let me throw a couple of questions. And I know these don't match your house group questions, and I'm sorry about that. But is the Lord your shepherd? Do you know the shepherd? That, that's the most important question that, that I can present to you today is do you know the shepherd? Can you say the Lord is my shepherd? But I think for many of us, we, we can. And, but I wonder, is he shepherding you? Are you allowing him to shepherd you? I, and I ask this of myself, am I allowing him to shepherd me? And, and I wonder tomorrow when I get in my car to drive to the situations I have to deal with tomorrow, uh, I, having prepared this over the last few hours, I, I needed reminding because often I can just, my mind gets busy. I'm, I'm, I'm a morning person and I'm kind of like, Bleh. but I, I need to, I'm going to remember tomorrow. I, my, my heart, to remember, my, my desire is to remember tomorrow to, to ask the Lord to shepherd me. Shepherd me even in the things I'm going to be going into. Shepherd me through Christmas. And I wonder if that's a daily thing that we, we need to remind ourselves of, yes, he's my shepherd, but is he shepherding me? And I'll just throw a couple of pictures out here. I kind of think of this when I, when I think of his flock, you know, believers, people who know Jesus. I think we're in the field. You know, there's no doubt we're, we're in his pen. We're secure. He's the gate and so on. So if you picture this, this picture here and, and Jesus 
taking it or he's the shepherd. Some of us are closer. Some of us, and, and I'm often the far end of the field. You know, my head's down, I'm busy chomping away. I, I like the, 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 the guy with the black face at the beginning, at the front of the picture there. He's looking at the shepherd. He, he's eager. He wants to hear the shepherd's voice. There's a few back ends that you can see as well. And sometimes we're like that. Is that the right word to use in church? Probably is, isn't it? Rear end. So where, where are you in there? You know, where, where are you this morning? Where would you like to be? And I wonder if we, we close just thinking of this. Shepherd me, oh God. I'll pray and then the band will come up and there is, maybe, maybe communion is a good way to, to remember our shepherd, the good shepherd who gave his life for us. I mean, that's what it is. But also maybe as an expression of, of heart, of desire to, to want him to shepherd us. So let me pray and then I'll hand you over to the, the good team there. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for Psalm 23. Thank you for the assurances that we find in the Psalm that you have anointed us that you have given us a place in your family. And Father, thank you that we are assured of your presence, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Father, thank you that we have an incredible future, that, that our future is secure and it is fantastic. Father, I pray for myself and my friends here that uh, we would have a desire to allow you to shepherd us, not just be the noun, but to be the participle, to be the, the one who leads us, the one who inspires us, and maybe needs to nudge us with your staff. You maybe need to pull us with your crook. But Father, I pray that we would have that desire and that heart to allow you to shepherd us. In Jesus' name, amen.